My name is Joe Hawkins, and this is the History of the Mormon Church and 50 Objects Podcast. Welcome to another episode of History of the Mormon Church and 50 Objects. Today we're on episode 21, Fast and Testimony Meetings. So, like the last episode I released, the object of this episode didn't play a huge role in early Mormon history. However, it picked up momentum throughout the years and is now a defining characteristic of Mormon worship practice. By the next episode, we'll be back deep into the Mormon history story. To start off, I'm going to ask you a question. And if you're listening with other people... You don't have to answer out loud. So here's the question. Have you ever tried a celebrity diet? If you said yes, don't feel ashamed. It seems like everybody has attempted one at some point in their life. Now, not to name names, but I had a coworker a few years ago that was trying to lose weight. He'd come into the office every morning with a giant Tupperware bowl full of eggs, avocados, bacon, sausage, and cheese. It was a pretty big bowl, and it would take him about 30 minutes to eat it all. This was his weight loss diet. That was my sigh of exasperation. Strange diets seem to be a part of the human experience, and if you read about them throughout history, some of the things we've attempted can make your skin crawl. For example, in the first century BC, the famous Roman statesman Cato kicked off the strange dieting fad. As it turns out, Cato was a huge fan of cabbage. He not only promoted eating massive amounts of cabbage, but he was also known to drink the urine of people who consumed a lot of cabbage too. Cato believed cabbage cured ulcers, dysentery, warts, indigestion, and even drunkenness. Cato even continued to promote this diet after it failed to save the life of his dying wife and son. Cato got it right about Caesar, but he got it wrong about cabbage and cabbage urine. Next on our diet fad list, in the 1800s, the arsenic diet pill hit European and American markets. Now, we know today that arsenic is poison. The pills were said to speed up one's metabolism, and although they contained very small traces of arsenic, people started killing themselves when they inevitably took the pills in large doses to really kickstart that metabolism. Later in the 1890s, we saw the explosion of the chew and spit diet. This was created by a guy named Horace Fletcher, who promoted chewing a mouthful of food until the goodness was extracted and then spitting out the fibrous material that was left. It was hugely popular and had some famous followers, including Henry James and Franz Kafka. Now, last on our list, and probably worst of all, was the tapeworm diet. In the early 1900s, the tapeworm diet caught on in America. Basically, the way it worked was dieters would swallow beef tapeworm cysts, usually in the form of a pill. The theory was that the tapeworms would reach maturity in their intestines and absorb the food. This would cause weight loss, along with severe vomiting and diarrhea. Once the person reached the desired weight, in theory, they'd then take an antiparasitic pill to kill the worm. They would then need to pass the worm, which had its own issues. Americans would go on to attempt all sorts of dieting fads over the years, like the vinegar diet, the all-fat diet, 
or even a group of women called the Miracle Maids who claim to survive on no food at all. When you have the time, you should read about them. I warn you in advance, however, I gave you the edited, watered-down version. The history of dieting isn't for the squeamish. It's amazing what people will do to lose weight. I guess in some way I can understand if it's in the pursuit of better health, but what can be said for people who choose not to eat with no consideration for their health at all? Today's object is a fast and testimony meeting. So what is a fast and testimony meeting? A Mormon fast and testimony meeting is generally held on the first Sunday of the month. Now, a Mormon fast consists of skipping two meals. The Mormons then head to church for their Sunday services and the fast and testimony meeting. After taking the sacrament, the Mormons then arise on their own and approach the pulpit where they then share their feelings of Jesus Christ, the gospel, and the role of it all in their lives and their families. The typical testimony lasts between 5 to 10 minutes. This is an opportunity for practicing Mormons to not only analyze how they truly feel about the Mormon church, but to also share those feelings with those with whom they practice. Now, how did this meeting come about? In January of 1833, Joseph Smith received a revelation that came to be known simply as the olive leaf. The revelation became immediately popular among the Mormons due to its strong Christian themes and was canonized in the Book of Commandments as section 88. It was called the olive leaf because Joseph Smith said it was, quote, like an olive leaf plucked from the tree of paradise, end quote. It's a long revelation, but in it is found this command, quote, also I give unto you a commandment that ye shall continue in prayer and fasting from this time forth. The Mormons were commanded to begin fasting, and a testimony meeting was rolled up into it. So, what's the history of the fast, and how do Mormons practice it? Every major world religion practices some type of fast. Fasting is a practice found in the Old Testament among the Israelites, and is mentioned often in the books of Esther and Isaiah. So, even before this revelation landed among the Mormons, I'm sure most Mormons were aware of the practice in some form or another. That being the case, Joseph Smith chose Thursday nights as the dedicated night for the Mormons to fast as a collective group. After the dedication of the Kirtland Temple in 1836, Joseph Smith's father, Joseph Smith Sr., was called upon to lead the weekly Thursday night prayer meeting. They chose one Thursday night a month to be the fast meeting. Now in that meeting, there was seldomly an agenda. The members, finding themselves full of the Spirit due to the fast, at impulse would arise and share their feelings of the Spirit. Some were known to speak in tongues or comment on having seen angels or heavenly beings on or around the Kirtland Temple. This was the beginning of their testimony meetings. Over the next ten years or so, the Mormons would hold a monthly Thursday night fast meeting. They also began to have ad hoc fast meetings for those in need. For example, the Mormon church was known to fast quite a bit for Joseph and Hiram Smith, while they were locked away in Liberty Jail. Now in May of 1845, there were a lot of Mormons that had moved from Ohio to Missouri and were now moving from Missouri to Illinois. They were all poor and destitute. So the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles decided that the Mormons that were fasting during that monthly meeting were to bring the food that they hadn't eaten to the bishop's storehouse so they could share it collectively with the poor and the needy. When the Mormons eventually left Illinois and began their trek west to Utah, this practice of fast and testimony meetings was abandoned as a collective, consistent thing. 
After the Mormons arrived in Utah, they would occasionally fast for their harvest or for brethren, but it wouldn't be until the drought of 1855 and 1856 in Utah that Brigham Young would reinstitute the monthly fast and testimony meeting. He was requesting members to again donate their food to ease the burdens of those suffering from hunger. This practice carried the large number of immigrants arriving every day in Utah. The food was also shared with the never-ending line of people making their way to California for the gold rush. And so this process would continue on until just the end of the century. In 1896, a Hiram M. Smith was a young missionary in England. Hiram noticed that the members in England were having difficulties getting excused from work in time to attend the Thursday night fast and testimony meeting. Even those that did get excused, he mentioned that those workers were working in the pits often and didn't have time to go home, bathe, change their clothes, and make it back to the meeting in time. So, as a missionary, Hiram wrote a letter about all of this to the then-current second counselor to the prophet of the Mormon church, and recommended that the members might be better served if the meeting was moved to a Sunday instead of a Thursday. Well, being that his father was a counselor to the prophet, it was immediately considered. The Quorum of the Twelve Apostles decided to pray about it. The prophet, Wilford Woodruff, decided on December 6th, 1896, that the monthly fast and testimony meeting would be moved to the first Sunday of the month to better fit the schedules of the Mormons worldwide. Also at this time, Mormons were now more settled than ever in Utah, and it was no longer required to bring food to the meeting for the bishop's storehouse. Going forward, members would collect their cash for the meals that they would have eaten and entrust it to the deacons, who would then pass it to the bishop's storehouse. To this present day, the fast and testimony meeting is practiced globally by Mormons on the first Sunday of the month. The Mormons still hold collective fasts for special need situations like the building of temples, needy families, or for the rains to fall on the dusty deserts of Utah. So where can you see a fast and testimony meeting? Find the nearest Mormon chapel. On the first Sunday of the month, make your way into the building and mosey to an open seat. Sit back and watch as practicing Mormons Children to adults take the sacrament, and when they feel prompted, share their feelings about the church from the pulpit. It's quite the symbol of religion in action. Most Mormons today would consider the fast and testimony meeting on the first Sunday of the month to be the most spiritual meeting practiced inside the chapels. So, circling back to our dieting fads discussion we opened the show with. In 2014, Human Health Researches announced the benefits of abstaining monthly from food and water for 10 to 12 hours straight, or periodic fasting. According to the study, periodic fasting greatly eliminated bad cholesterol in the body, it reduced weight, and it also combats diabetes and cardiovascular risk factors. What if this dieting fad also had a mental health benefit? Take that money you would have used on those meals and donate it to the needy in your area. What would it do to your self-esteem to help feed hungry families? On top of it all, during the periodic fasting, it would be a time to deeply evaluate one's spiritual health, thus touching on all the aspects that make up your being. Sounds like a diet fad that just might stick around, well, for at least 186 years and counting. So that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode on History of the Mormon Church and 50 Objects, Episode 21, The Fast and Testimony Meeting. As always, if you have questions or comments, you can reach out to me directly at joehomc 
historyofmormonchurch at gmail.com. I did receive a note from a listener who said he enjoyed the music at the beginning and the end of this podcast. So I figured for that listener, I'm going to let this play for a little bit longer here at the end. Enjoy. Enjoy.